Are you looking for personalized support for your business over the next six months? Do you need help prioritizing and putting your plans into place? Want to work with me and connect with a small, intimate group of bosses who get you and what you do as a creative business owner? Emily here, and I'm hosting my first six-month mastermind group since 2019, complete with a retreat in New Orleans, of course, and I'm accepting applications through April 6th. Pause right now and shoot me an email at hello at beingboss.club to get more info. Hello and welcome to Being Boss, episode number 56, brought to you by FreshBooks Cloud Accounting. We have a very special guest with us here today, and it's actually my sister slash business partner who I'm always talking about on the podcast, Tara Street. But well, here, Tara, hi. 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 (laughs) So we we got a case of the giggles, right, as we're recording this, and we can't stop. So we're kind of in a giggly mood, but Tara is truly not just my sister, but one of the most brilliant people in the world, Emily can vouch. Amen. And we're really excited to finally have her on the show to talk to you guys about being a creative expert, clarifying your positioning. I mean, I'm saying it in ways that sounds really boring, but... And what it's like to be Kathleen's sister. Oh, yeah. Right? That's half That's half the episode. That, that's half the battle right there. <laughs> Get your business together. Get yourself into what you do and see it through. Being boss is hard. Blending work and life is messy. Making a dream job of your own isn't easy. But getting paid for it becoming known for it and finding purpose in it is so doable if you do the work. Being Boss is a podcast for creative entrepreneurs brought to you by Emily Thompson and Kathleen Shannon. Check out our archives at lovebeingboss.com. All right, but first, you guys always hear us talking about FreshBooks Cloud Accounting, and I have to tell you, Tara is the person in our business who is actually keeping track of our income and expenses through FreshBooks. So Tara, why don't you speak firsthand? What is your favorite thing about FreshBooks? I love how FreshBooks makes everything visual. This sounds very rehearsed. I had, I forgot I was going to be talking about this. That fresh, <laughs> totally but I totally just put her on the spot. No, I was just <laughs> in FreshBooks. I really like how it makes it visual. So I can look at charts and reports and all that good stuff that I, you guys know I love, charts and reports, but I also just love being able to just get in there and it really feels neat when you get a new client, you can send them your, their first invoice, you can progress invoice them halfway through, you can invoice them again at the end. It's not that I'm all about, I love invoicing the clients, but there's something about, like Kathleen said, it's a transfer of energy. There's something about being able to touch and see the money and see where it's coming in and going out. And it just makes you feel legit. Like you're a legit business owner doing biz. Yeah. So, um, you guys can try fresh books for free for 30 days by going to freshbooks.com slash being boss and enter being boss in the, how did you hear about us section so that you too can look legit. All right. Just like Tara. Um, well, let's, let's get in this. So Tara, we know the story, but 
tell us a little bit about your background coming from the agency world, because I don't know how many people already know this, but you were a creative director, VP at an ad agency for almost 15 years. That is correct. I worked at an advertising agency in Oklahoma City, so we're from the Midwest, um, but a city with plenty of advertising agencies. And um, I worked my way up through a small advertising agency that became a bigger advertising agency over the 15 years I worked there. And it was awesome. It was a dream job. It was um, me designing and then writing and then creative directing and then getting to do television commercials and all that stuff I grew up fantasizing about, honestly, watching shows like 30 something, or I feel like everyone's occupation in 80s movies or shows was, you know, advertising agency, graphic designer, you know, or owner. And then Mad Men came around. But anyway, I felt like I was living the dream. Wait, so who are you in Mad Men? (laughs) I, you know who I am in Mad Men. I am a weird, strange, painful mix of a Don Draper and a Peggy. So whenever Don Draper and Peggy have scenes together, I kind of have to like put my hands over my eyes or almost change a channel because it's so tense for me because I'm definitely like a Peggy in that I was a copywriter. And you know what? Even in this day and age, there aren't a lot of women creative directors. It's a guy's world. Um, but then I also kind of always sided with Don Draper because if you watch the show, he was kind of telling her how it was and he was in charge and he was the boss. So I was the boss and I was the young creative director coming up. Now I also had a boss of my own. I was just the boss of my creative department. And so Which included me. You were the boss of me for I five was, years. I was the boss of you for five years. And when our CEO was like, why don't you hire that intern Kathleen, your sister? I was like, you don't know what you're in for, but everyone was like, <laughs> wait, wait, didn't, didn't no one know that you guys were sisters for a while? No, they did. And that was a thing, right? They did in the team, right? So it was probably 15 or 20 people, maybe 25 people when Kathleen was interning there, which is all innocent. Your sister's interning, no big deal. But we really needed an awesome kick-ass designer. I wanted Kathleen. Um, so the people inside the agency knew, but when we started meeting with clients, we were really embarrassed about it and we never really talked about it. And then it got awkward whenever, it's not like we look a lot alike, but we maybe podcast listeners can attest to this. We sound a lot alike. And so sometimes if a client hadn't seen us for six months, they would get confused. Like who. And I think even like our mannerisms and yeah. Okay. But then new people would get hired on in the agency and I would be like, Oh, my sister, blah, blah, blah. And they would think that I was like, Hey sister. Like we forgot to tell them like, Hey sister. Yeah. Like, Hey sister. So anyway, a lot of, a lot of people in the agency, whenever they would start, didn't know. And then that was always funny whenever they found out we were sisters. It was hilarious. Hilarious. <laughs> so then, so then I quit the agency after, uh, at about five years in, because I had been blogging, I was gaining some traction with freelance on that side of things. So I quit and I was working for myself for a year and then Tara I'll let you tell yes, the story. Yes, I worked with an executive coach, which five years ago, you know, my the CEO, he's wonderful. He hired this executive coach for me because I think he felt me being restless and not quite knowing what was wrong in my dream job, right? And um, and so I worked with Jay Pryor, who was a former guest of yours. 
And, um, I remember talking to him and working through some stuff. And then he asked me the question one day after about, I'd say two months of working together, having weekly meetings where I was like in a broom closet on my phone. Like, cause that was like, he was at work to have, it was like an open concept agency. Right. So I'm in the broom closet on the phone, talking to my coach, Jay, who's wonderful. And he said, if you could do, I know you have a great job on paper. I know everything's wonderful, but if you could do anything you wanted and you weren't afraid, what would it be? And my answer was very specific. I immediately said I would work with my sister, Kathleen. You don't know her yet. <laughs> um, now we're like BFFs. And yeah. And then, and then he's like, well, just, you know, kind of think on that. Probably thinking, what am I going to do? Like her boss just hired me to coach her. But a week later when I came back from my session, I think he thought I would just been daydreaming about it. No, we had like a business plan and we had the Our branding we- was done. <laughs> We had our brand. I mean, we really got energized about the idea of working together again. And I will say it's probably because, and probably a lot of our listeners can relate to this, maybe ones who are even closer to my age. So I'm 40. And I definitely felt like Kathleen and I, so Kathleen is okay about your age. That's fine. Seven years younger than me. And I think in that seven years, there's just a little bit of a nuance on being on one side of the online business world and the other side, even just social media and all the, and all that entails. So you had been in the blogging world and the sharing world and the storytelling world, right? Where it's more fluid and it's online. It can be with anyone. And I was still more in a traditional, you craft your story, you present your story, you make people cry with your story, right? Because it's all shaped and crafted and put out there as a television commercial or a brand video or this or that. And so, um, kind of two different worlds. So it was exciting to kind of jump into your world for a little while and be, and really rely on you as the boss of many things while you still relied on me as the boss of many things. And so that has been really exciting and cool and an interesting dynamic to get to take turns being bosses of each other. Yeah. And it's not, I mean, I didn't even know that we were going to talk about this, but it's not always the most comfortable thing. Because I'm so used to you being the boss that whenever I have to be the boss, sometimes I'm like, oh, shit. But then other times, you know, I'm like, no, I know this. And then you're like, it it just is an interesting tension at times. But usually I feel like we're really good at trading back and forth and being like, okay, I need you to make this decision or I need you to help me make this decision. Okay, so we started Braid together and... um. And, and whenever we were doing that, well, probably a few years in of starting Braid, we really started to define our clarity of purpose. Like I wanted to understand what is our higher purpose? Why are we doing this? Because whenever we started the business together, it was just kind of a no brainer. But my goal was to be a hundred percent who I am and sharing in everything that I'm doing, like you said, along the way. So what would you say your goal was? And like the one thing that you really wanted out of braid and running your own business, especially being so new to it. It's not like we come from a family of entrepreneurs. So like what, what did you imagine it was going to be like? And what did you really want out of it? Right. I thought I was going to work in the job. I thought, I thought I was going to work in the job and career that I had forever. Like I was a lifer. I was in it. And so when I had this shift, um, it was scary, but really exciting. And I just remember talking to you and being having that conversation, I remember that conversation where we're like, what do we want out of this? You know, I remember we said we want to be sustainable. The things that most people say when they start out, especially if they're leaving a larger job to like go off on their own, right? For the first time. So they might say things like, I want to be sustainable. 
I just want to be able to pay my bills doing what I love. I don't, you know me, I don't even go as far as saying doing what I love. I'm like, uh, doing what I love within the realm of logic and what I'm actually best at, right? Um, all those things and that everyone says, I don't even care if we, remember, I don't even care if we get big. I just want to be able to maybe make the same as what I'm making now, sustainable, all that. But then when I really dug in, I said, you know what I want? Because you come back, Kathleen, of course, with your, okay, here's my deeper purpose. I want to be 100% who I am in everything I do and share that with other people. And I'm like, oh, right, right, right. Okay. So <laughs> I'm like, what's my deeper purpose? And I said, honestly, I just want to feel like an expert. And I want to know that what I'm talking about or speaking to, not just like in an interview like this, but when I'm speaking with our clients that I know a hundred percent, that sounds strange that I'm in the right. Does that make sense? Like, I know what I'm talking about. We've done this a hundred times and it's not so I can be bossy of them. It's so that I'm not starting over from scratch every time. I spent too many years coming up with the next concept, right? Based on how creative you could be or clever you could be and winning that pitch and winning that, um, client for the agency. And I love the idea of working through a process and a method that I could then really see patterns again and again in the creatives that we work with and just really help them feel heard and understood, but then bring to the table, like, listen, I've been, I've heard this before. Here's what we're seeing let's help you this way. So I just love the idea of feeling like a creative expert in everything we do and not feeling like we're faking it. Because at the beginning days, you have to accept that a lot of times you feel like you're faking it. And so that was my desire was to feel like we're not, this isn't fake. This is for real, right? And you know, it's so funny because coming up in a creative background, I think that I always really liked the idea of starting from scratch, even though it creates a lot of fear in you. So I think it was even just like last year, I was like, you know, that method process thing that you're preaching, Tara, like, wow, I get it. <laughs> like, it only took me four years. <laughs> but I would say like, you know, even Emily and I both, like, this is why we're constantly launching new things or starting a podcast. And we're constantly venturing into things that we don't know. So there is something really nice about just being able to rely on a method or a process. And sometimes people ask us, how do we book out so far in advance? And again, I think it's because we know our method and we know that we're not going to have to, I mean, we're figuring new stuff out for our clients, but our approach is the same every time. And I'll let you talk about that more, but I know. Cause when you start talking about it, it can sound a little assembly line ish. Exactly. But it really isn't. I don't know how to say that more clearly. It's not like you're creating a product over and over and over again that's cookie cutter. You're just using the same techniques and tools to get the information you need. So we do branding, right? So we created this method to get the information we needed to know we were really serving our client and, and right. Like we were reflecting back at them what they were telling us in a way they never heard it before. And um, that tool just happened to become a method that works for us every time. So, and Emily, you've been... So I cut you off. You've been on the other end of this. Like what, what did it feel like going through the method? Well, and also Emily's clients go through the method now too. Right. A lot of them do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I love it. That's, that's why we put our, our clients through it. I love that you guys, because you also came out of the gate with this method developed. I mean, you launched braid with the braid method. And so it wasn't even, and I know it's gone through a couple of, 
a couple of transitions over the years because I've been through it 10 times. <laughs> this point like starting with myself um god four years ago with indie shopography and then um and then now we put i don't know probably easily a third of our indie boom clients through it if not more than that so i i know that it's changed a bit but my favorite thing about it was that you guys came out of the gate launched braid creative with the braid method and it was this solid method that you used to put your clients through so that you could get the information you need so that you could give them what they need. Um, so, I mean, I love it. It's I always found it super inspiring as someone who who started from the ground up, not with 15 years under my belt, but with like, you know, a website I had built for myself once. <laughs> I, I like had to develop that for me. So for me, like I, I definitely was super inspired by the braid method and, and how it was that you guys had created this method for your creative, for your creativity um, that allowed you to book clients easily because you knew what you were selling and it allowed you to service your clients easily because it was the same method for each one and allowed you to, it allowed you to book clients out because you knew exactly how much time it would take to process each client it was um i, I love it i think it's uh, um i think it's something that every creative service provider can learn from this idea of of knowing what you're good at to a level that you can create this package that you can sell over and over again and service each of your clients in this in this really really pre-built way but it ends up being a super unique experience for each one and I can speak on that because I've literally gone through it with 10 different clients and every single one of them is so in love with what they get out of it it's it's by no means the same thing each time but uh, but the experience on this side is each time you go through it it's awesome so like i i just imagine someone listening to this episode and being like what the hell is a method if they're anything like me because again i'm in the method and like <laughs> i didn't even fully understand it i mean i'm joking <laughs> that like four years in but really probably about a year in and then i was like oh so basically what and tara you might have something to add to this but basically what i would say is if you are a creative and there is something that you really want to be doing and something that you really want to be known for write down what that is like write down what the deliverables are and then so that's the end is the deliverables and then work backwards. What is every single thing that the client goes through? So if on one end you have your deliverables and on the front end you have them coming to your website, it is literally everything in between that beginning and end should become your process and your method. Is that, am I saying that right? Do you think? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I use, well, yours is more literal. People can understand that. I, I use a metaphor, the girl on the diving horse story, but let me get to that in a minute. But I would say that if you're sitting there thinking about them uh, having a process, most people call it a process or a method, and it's kind of freaking you out, you know, it's, you probably already have one and it's mostly, it's like the ingredients of what you always do and you take it for granted because you don't do it in a structured way. So for some people, it's just lining up your ingredients like you would ingredients on a countertop before you start cooking, Right. Um, and then for other people, Wait, some people, people line up their ingredients before they start cooking. <laughs> <laughs> Not the way I cook, guys. <laughs> That's how Tara cooks. <laughs> so <laughs> on the other end of the spectrum, 
You may be. <laughs> See, we never you. make fun I'm of our ignoring guests, you. but now that Tara's on, we're like, that's how Tara cooks. <laughs> like a big nerd. So, <laughs> some of you may be nerding out with me and being like, oh, yes, I want to process so bad. Or I have we know Val Geisler bad. is. Val Geisler, yes. I'm talking to her. I was imagining her in my head, actually. And I think for some people, though, maybe they're going – this is the word of wisdom, the grain, the grain of salt in your lineup of, of ingredients is that don't sell your process too hard. As much as I preach selling process, people are still trying to buy the thing at the end. I just need a web design. I just need you to fix my life. I just need, right? Like this, whatever it is you're doing, you might be a photographer, a designer. We say creatives. It's really shorthand for creative entrepreneur in many ways. Um, a lifestyle coach, a stylist, all, you know, all the people that we consider creative entrepreneurs. Um, you know, like you have a, you may not think you have a process. You might be, you might have a process. You might want a process, but whatever your situation you are on the spectrum, I would say, don't rely too heavily on it being your selling tool right out the front of the gate. You got to remember what you're selling people at the end, what they're looking for, what they're Googling, what they're trying to hire you for. And in fact, in our early days, we kind of snuck the process in. It was just the way we did work and we were so confident in it that we didn't really talk about it too much. We just kind of took these steps. And it wasn't until after we had enough case studies to really prove how we were doing these steps over and over again that people really started buying into the process and they really got how great it was. But you just can't hit people over the head with it either. You kind of got to sneak up on it a little. So I have an example of this actually. I just started working out with a new trainer yesterday and he has a gym that's very CrossFit style, but, and I wouldn't say that he's anti CrossFit, but he's not about just going in and lifting as heavy as you can and just, you know, going crazy and hurting yourself or all the things that can happen. And, um, and, and so he was like, what I'm really trying to sell is just like a healthy lifestyle. And I'm like, yeah, but whenever people are Googling you and looking <laughs> for you, they're looking for something like CrossFit. So I was telling him that kind of vibe that your gym has, which is kind of like the cool CrossFit vibe as far as just kind of being a box and getting back to the basics, sell them that. But then whenever they come into the gym, the way that you reassure and deliver is by offering the healthy alternative. So I think that that's kind of an example of what you're talking about because people aren't Googling, I want to get a healthy alternative workout. They're like, I want to just go crazy. And then they think that they're going to go in and go crazy with this really hard workout. And then it's like, oh, stretching is important. And here's why. Exactly. Okay. So, um, Emily, do you have any questions for Tara? Yeah. I want to go back for a second to you quitting your job. Because that is a hot topic amongst our bosses. It it it, it right. is. Well and, and it's I think it's an easy one maybe. I want to talk about like the straw that broke the camel's back for you. Did I say that right? Did I, did I, did I, say, I said that one right, right? Because I thought about it first. Um, like, I love was... that you're as bad at sayings <laughs> as I am. Like, Tara always jokes, she's like, is English your first language? Because <laughs> like, I'm always getting them wrong. Right? Well, and, and honestly, I don't even think that's the right one because I feel like that usually insinuates like a bad thing that happens that makes you just like stop. And and what I mean is like, what was the thing that made you go, you know what, this is the right thing for me? Like, was it or what was it? What was the thing? 
Or was it a thing? Yeah. And like, how scary is it to go from being a creative director, VP, boss of an entire team? Really, I can say this kind of boss of the agency. Like it was kind of like Tara was queen bee a little bit there. So what was it like going from that? What was the breaking point or the tipping point where you're like, okay, working for myself is the right decision. And then to being the boss of yourself. Yeah, let me back up even a step further, because I kind of want to speak a little bit to I'll get to the juicy stuff in a minute. But the people out there who are maybe just starting out within a team or a studio or a firm, who haven't quite felt like they've got a handle on it yet. Like, so going back to feeling like a queen bee or feeling like I knew what I was doing there, there was a phase where I switched from just being an art director to feeling like I was a leader within that team. Like I knew my stuff. I felt like a creative expert. I wasn't a boss of my own business, but I was a boss of what I knew of my stuff. I had the respect of my peers. I had the respect of my clients. I was a person you wanted in a meeting with you. So that felt really good too. And I think part of that was embracing and owning, which is something you guys talking about a lot shifting from faking it to really owning my own style. No, I will never present as calmly and coolly as the creative director before me did. Talk about Don Draper. He was like the guy's guy. I admired and respected him on a pedestal. Like, wow, if I could ever be that smooth and that wonderful at presenting myself or speaking to a group or coming up with these amazing concepts. And I just had to, when I became creative director, so boss within a team, I really had to own, I remember telling my boss, hey, listen, here are the list of ways I'm going to rock it as a creative director. Thank you for, which by the way, he offered me this position when I was, I want to say seven months pregnant with my first baby that our creative director left and I took that role and it freaked me out, right, Kathleen? I almost didn't take it. Yeah, like you came home, I remember you calling dad and you were like bawling. I called dad bawling. I think I was 28 years old. He worked downtown and he met me in the street because rush hour was so bad he couldn't get his. It wasn't like he could get the car out of the garage. So he met me in the middle of the street downtown. It was like in a movie. And all he said was he shouted across. I was standing, kind of standing, halfway standing out of my open car door in the street. They're going to make me creative director. And he goes, don't sell yourself short. I was like, okay, just do it. I was like, okay. And then it was great. It was easy. I, I had to learn how to be boss, right? I thought all that responsibility, this is make a sense. All that responsibility would ruin my life. It was too much pressure. I can never be as good as I thought I could, you know, be. Um, and I really just had to own it. You know what? My presentation style is a little more spazzy. I might get a little more flustered. I might be a little more funny or weird or offbeat than my creative director before me, but whatever, people are going to love it. And they did, you know? And so I just had to own it and find my own style, not only in how I spoke or led or guided people, but also just in creative and copywriting. Wait, so did you actually have that thought? Like, I'm just going to own it. Like I might be, you know, whenever you're pointing out all those things, there's like a certain amount of self-awareness there. I did because I had a list. Oh, you made a list. I made a (laughs) list. Of course, Terry. Because it was the only way I could rationalize. I will accept this new role. It's not going to kill me. Here's why. I'm just going to do it this way. And this is the way I'll do it. I just have to be okay with it. Of course, I was still freaked out. I mean, but it helped me own it. So fast forward to probably seven years later, after owning this boss role, it was now time for me to be my own boss, which is something I never considered doing. And so when it comes to the straw that broke the camel's back, I would just say it was a mix of 
things escalate. I'm a slow decision maker. I am the opposite of Kathleen. Kathleen is a hot spark, quick decision maker. And I like to mull things over for, you know, like a couple years. So I'm mulling things over like, why am I feeling stressed? Why am I unhappy? And I think it was because when you work in an agency or a creative firm or a studio that's around, you know, seven to 20 people, I would say there's definitely a lot of autonomy where you really do feel like boss of yourself, which is probably trained me for everything I've done today. But if you're not quite the boss, the captain at the helm, it, there just becomes a time where you outgrow it. And you either have to say, I'm going to be a captain now, or I'm just going to step in line and keep helping steer this ship that I'm not actually 100% invested in. I was 100% invested with my heart and my time, but there's just something different about being boss on your own. And I love both. So I'm not necessarily an advocate for quitting or not quitting. I'm more of an advocate for just owning your creative expertise in whatever situation you are in, being a boss in the team you're in or being a boss in your own business. Hey bosses, did you have a case of FOMO? That stands for the fear of missing out. When you saw all the Being Boss magic go down for our Being Boss vacation in New Orleans. Fear not friends, because we are planning another boss vacation this spring in Miami. Miami. (laughs) So it was really hard to figure out what location to go to, but we've never been to Miami. And the reason why we do these boss vacations is to cultivate our creative pack see different parts of the world, get some FaceTime with each other, connect with each other, and live the boss life. So to learn more details about this boss vacation, just go to lovebeingboss.com slash Miami. We hope to see you there. Um, okay, so you talk a little bit about people feeling like an expert, a creative expert, whether they're inside the walls of an organization or company, which we all, like all three of us would never tell anyone to quit their job. And we think that you can really rock it as a boss and be boss in an agency. You can have a personal brand within an agency or a company. Um, But either way, talking about being a creative expert, can you talk a little bit more about that? Because I feel like the word expert is really intimidating to so many of our clients. And it really brings up these like fraudy feelings whenever you start to throw that word around. So let's talk about that a little bit. I know. And I never even really thought about that until I did start hearing people, you know, not only being boss listeners, but, you know, break clients feeling weird around the word expert. And, and I get it. I guess I just think of it like a guide or someone who just knows their stuff. And it doesn't mean, overly credentialed, or you have to have a PhD in something. Although technically the term expert comes with that connotation, right? But I think it's more like a creative, we even do this for our clients. We'll say, okay, just think of yourself as a guide or even um, a specialist. Maybe that has a surgeon, (laughs) but like a specialist, it goes back to the girl on the diving horse. So this is a story I was going to tell earlier where this idea of, you know, you go to the circus or I, you know, I imagine like a 1940s little carnival that comes through town, right? And they've got the big top and they've got, you know, the strong man, they've got all that stuff going on. And then there's the girl on the diving horse. I think this is probably a movie we saw like in the nineties or something, but anyway, so the girl on the diving horse, right? She climbs up the ladder on the rungs. We're she, going to get so many emails about that movie. Like I, I feel wild, like all of our, yeah. Wild horses, wild, wild hearts, hearts can't be, can't tamed. be broken. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so the idea is thinking about 
like your competition or the people who do everything for everyone, or even yourself trying to be everything to everyone in a three ring circus and throwing it all in, right? To make everyone happy and and to make sure you get hired and make sure you make money. So you're throwing it all into the big top, right? You're trying to do everything, a Jane of all trades. Whereas we really coach and guide people to think of themselves as the girl on the diving horse where a few, maybe not as many people, but still some people are coming over to your little area, right? And your bleachers and they're sitting down to see the girl on the diving horse and that's you and you're going up the ladder and half the, half the drama is going up the ladder. So those are the steps of your process, right? You're getting, you're, you know, you're building anticipation, you're going up the rungs, whatever the steps that you're taking to deliver, that's you going up the ladder. And then you have the outfit. I always think of that as like your personal brand and you've got the horse. I always think of the horse. Now this is where we get the comments because it's horrible animal cruelty <laughs> making a horse dive off a diving board. They don't do that anymore. I don't think, but anyway, whatever we're romanticizing it. So the horse is like your tools, like you're a photographer, you're a writer, you're whatever. The horse is just the tool that you're the expert. You're the girl on the diving horse and you're the one that's going to jump for your clients or for your audience. And you take the leap, hooray, and everyone remembers the girl on the diving horse, right? And then you do it again. And then you do it again. And every time you do it, it's like you just become more and more known for that. And some people may call that being niched or niched. And we don't push being niched or niched. (laughs) We don't push being specialized so hard that we don't let you break your rules, right? But it definitely is something to think about when you think about what do I want to be known for? And that's also another way of thinking of what kind of expert do I want to be? And just trusting that the more times you practice it and practice it and practice it, the better you get. But some people, they've already been practicing it for a long time and now it's about owning it. So that's the other side of it. You may be transitioning into finally doing what you want to do, uh, not just thinking of it as work, but as your calling. And so how do you own that and not just be an order taker to your clients or jack of all trades who will take on any project that comes along? Okay. Let's say you're the girl on the diving horse and you're like, okay, but this is really cruel to horses or I'm, I'm tired of doing this. My eyeballs hurt from smashing into the water or whatever it is. And you're like, Kathleen, oh, she, Kathleen, that girl went blind in that movie. Oh my God. That's why you just said that. This is based on a true story. She's not just a movie. Spoiler alert. <laughs> a movie from the nineties. The girl goes blind. So let's say, then you're like, I want to, and you go see Cirque du Soleil. And you're like, I'm sick of this three-ring oh, circus right. bullshit. I want to be in Cirque du Soleil. I want to be doing some cool, like, con- I want to become a contortionist. You know? Yeah. What, uh, what is, I mean, okay, what does that what look you, like? Here's what you do. You decide, you know what? I'm not leaping off this diving board anymore, right? Like, I'm not going to be, I'm just making this up, a photographer anymore. I want to do web design. Or vice versa, right? So you go over to Cirque du Soleil and you're like, I don't want to dive off this diving board anymore. I want to try something new. But I think if you practice being a specialist at something, getting really good at something, that when you move on to the next thing, you already know what you don't want it to look like. You already know that when I go to Cirque du Soleil, I know that I don't want to be doing X, Y, and Z sweeping up the peanuts afterwards. I don't want to be, <laughs> you know, uh, partnered with someone. I want to be the solo act. I know that I don't want to be working all weekend, whatever it is. I'm trying to go with the metaphor, but you know what you don't want and you know what it kind of could start to feel like to be an expert at something. 
And so I think you hit the ground running that further ahead towards being an expert at the new thing too. I mean, just like you and Emily do the podcast, right? Like you guys both knew what it felt like to be really great at what you guys were already doing in your respective businesses. And so you that much more quickly got through the planning, the, the figuring out and the fun experimenting and all the things you wanted to happen and not happen with the podcast and some surprises along the way. But you were able to get there so much more quicker because I think you had that mindset of we want to be really good at this. We want to be known for it. We're not going to just do everything. I see so much in our businesses that people, whenever they're wanting to transition what they're doing, even myself, whenever I went from wanting to just be an art director and designer to wanting to go get Martha Beck coaching training, I didn't understand what it meant for my business. And I didn't, I remember, you know, I was like, I'm, I'm not going to be a designer anymore. I'm retiring. <laughs> and, uh, and it feels like it, or, or, you know, just really not understanding how the dots are connected. And now in hindsight, I can see really well how my design experience and art direction, history and expertise blends in with the creative coaching. And then that turned into the podcast and this really unique, um, constellation of connecting the dots, right? Um, so I, I feel like we see a lot of creatives kind of wanting to disown their previous yeah. experience. So part of the reason or part of the way that we got our name braid, a lot of people think that it's because we're sisters and that we we're braiding each other's hair whenever we were little, <laughs> which I think Tara was, I mean, Tara was like literally braiding my dreads about a year ago. <laughs> It's like, I want a double French braid, but that had nothing to do with our name. So Terry, can you explain a little bit about our name and, and kind of that blend, like not just blending the personal yeah. with the professional, which people hear us talking about all the time, but also kind of where you've been and where you're going. Yeah. So, okay. Well, back to the start of our name, you know, we were, you know, a week later with our business plan and our <laughs> idea to start our own business. Right. We knew we had to come up with a name and we often, um, encourage our clients or ask them like, why aren't you using your own name? Right. Cause so many of the branding we do is personal branding or it's one person or a solopreneur. We didn't have that option because there was two of us, unless we wanted to sound like a law firm of street and Shannon. So we knew we needed a name. And I was um, like, and who know, I might be getting a divorce or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> but It is Kathleen. <laughs> you just never know. <laughs> We needed a name and wanted it to be good. We wanted it to be meaningful and all the things you want your name to be. And I remember I was on, we gone through a list together, but I was on the front porch with then my boys were one of them. I can't remember where it was a toddler and we had um, sidewalk chalk, like all the colors out on the front porch and we were coloring. And I remember like kind of just doing like hatch lines of different colors and then thinking, and they're kind of weaving together. And I was like, braid. Like that's a kind of a cool name because it's the idea of weaving together. Or I was looking at all these different chalks. Like it's all the things, right? And so it's almost opposite of what we always say. Like you need to narrow in, but really you also need to blend all the things. And yeah, you need to discard the things that are no longer serving you. But there's something about blending together where you've been, where you're going. What do you want your purpose to be? Okay, but what are you actually good at? Okay, who is your dream client? Um, what's your style? Like, what do you want to be known for? What's your voice like? How do you talk in your real words, not your professional words? All of these threads or pieces of chalk rolling around, how do you weave them together into one brand? And 
everything can't be equal. You know, there's always gotta be some shiny threads in there that really stand out. But, um, but really just like you and I, you know, we're lucky because there's two of us, right. Or even just like you and Emily are lucky on the podcast. There's two of you. So in some ways it's easier to complement each other in this mix or this blend. But when there's just one of you, you still got to pull all those different aspects out of yourself. You know, who's the nerd to your rebel inside yourself, the introvert to your extrovert, the logic to the emotion. Um, how much process, if you're really into that, can you push, push as part of your brand without pushing away people who really just want you to help them, right? So it's constantly the blend of everything together. The number one request we get from, I think all the people that follow you guys and follow us, they get this. They get that their mix or their blend is what makes them special. Um, it's their magic power. And the problem is it's also the same thing that gives them the most insecurity. So they feel scattered or like they have too many ideas or there's too much going on or why do I even want to go join Cirque du Soleil if I'm already diving off? Like they almost feel guilty that they have so many ideas and it just comes with that mix of all the things going on. And, uh, the number one thing that people ask us, like, help me with this is I need a clearer message. I just help me, you know, help me clarify all these things that are going on in my head. I just need a clear message. I that I think every email I get has that line in there in some form or fashion. So, um, so obviously we help people clarify that message through our one-on-one work. Um, but then that one-on-one work really helped inform the e-course that we created, which is a whole other topic. Emily, we need to do a whole episode on passive income because our e-course has been a what four years in the making. Yeah. We knew again, one of those things where we knew from the beginning, we wanted something like that. And so we did e-courses right out of the gate, but then after practicing one-on-one for three or four years over and over and over and over and over this method, we are like rehaul and we really created the course that if we had to just hand it all over everything we know about how to get that clear message for yourself, what would that look like? And that's, and that was what we created. Emily here to talk about running an efficient online business. Doing business online is all about solutions. Solutions for billing, time tracking, project management, scheduling. And each solution is only as good as the integrations that make your whole business work in harmony. When our pals at Acuity Scheduling wanted us to share their awesomeness with all of you bosses, one of our first points was how do you integrate? And they surely do not disappoint. Whether you're a FreshBooks user or married to Google, send emails with MailChimp, AWeber, Constant Contact, or Mad Mimi, or maybe you use Zapier to make all the things work just the way you want them to, Acuity Scheduling makes sure your meetings are in line with how you do business online by integrating with all of these and more. Schedule clients without sacrificing your soul. Sign up for your free 60-day trial of scheduling sanity at acuityscheduling.com slash boss. Now let's get back at it. So um, one of the things I really like that we included in this iteration of the e-course are all the scripts. So there is an exercise in our e-course that is kind of a script to help someone 
clarify their message or just explain what they do to their parents. Someone in the Facebook group the other day was like, do you, do your guys' parents understand what you do? But from like parents to networking to, um, even your about me statement or your, your Twitter bio, um, there's a script that you have that helps people clarify their message. Do you want to, can you share that? Yeah, I did. I, I pulled it up because I wanted to share an example. And this one's actually written more towards a designer because it's just easier to explain if you think about an actual role, but really you could do it for any sort of creative entrepreneur explanation of what I do, right? We all feel equally scattered. So I'm going to read the instructions on this script. It's not that complicated. It's pretty simple, but. But get out your pens, write it down. Oh yeah. Listeners. I thought you were talking to me. I was like, going to get out my pen. Okay. I'm going to get out my pen. <laughs> So <laughs> don't make this do, do this on ourselves, right? So share your vision. So this is kind of a hybrid of a positioning statement, which we get really into in the e-course and all the nuances of that, which is like what you do just in a few sentences. But this one's a little more aspirational and dreamy, which I thought would be fun. Um, so it's more about not just talking about what you do, but sharing your vision for what you want to become. So imagine it's five years in the future. And you are creating the kind of work you want to be known for and only working with dream clients. I would also add in the way you want to be working. So even more importantly lately, I feel even more passionate about dream engagements beyond just dream clients, right? Uh, What does your brand and business vision sound and feel like? So five years in the future, it's already happening Emily and Kathleen, you can practice, like, imagine in your head. <laughs> so I'm... Close eyes and swing. Yeah, and close your eyes, close your head. <laughs> I'm blank. So your name here, I'm blank. And I'm a designer. I love designing. And then blank, your specialty. So whatever it is as a designer or a lifestyle coach or a stylist or a web developer or any of those things. I love designing, creating, guiding, coaching, blank, your specialty. So try to take a stab at what that specialty is. You can break your rule. You can't break it unless you write it down first. So I'm, my name here, and I'm a designer. I love designing. My specialty is this. For clients like, and then describe your dream client there. Now this phrase, once you write it, it's kind of half outward facing, like you would say it to other people, but some of it you might just keep to yourself too. That's why I call it more like share your vision. So I love designing this specialty for clients like, and my dream clients like this. And they love how I, and this is where you fill in your approach when we work together. They love how I blank when we work together. So this is not about how you have great customer service or how you um, are really detail oriented, right? Or how um, your approach is really unique. That's, those are cop outs. This is more about how I, it's maybe even many steps. Like I first do this and then I do that. If you can just even boil it down to three steps when we work together that are really the core of what you do for them. But at the end of the day, what they really get, and this is me saying, hey, you just can't sell them your process. But at the end of the day, what they really get, underline really, like what's that deeper deliverable? What they really get is your deeper deliverable for them. And deliverable is just another word for offering or the thing that you gave them. And I, 
and it, this can get a little more woo-woo. Like it could be a feeling that you deliver for them um, if you can get really specific about it. Um, because I'm more than just a designer or coach or stylist or developer. I'm a blank and that's your creative expertise. I can't wait to try what's next for me, which is launching a blank. And that's your next big thing you want to do. It doesn't hurt to say it out loud. Kathleen's a testament to saying it out loud and then it happens. <laughs> I can't wait to try what's next for me, which is launching a podcast. <laughs> Ta-da! And here we are. And here we are. It's hard work, but totally worth it. Because as I create for others, I'll also be creating my dream, blank, your dream, for myself along the way. So it's hard work, but totally worth it. Because as I create for others, I'll also be creating, and then your dream goes here. Is it location independence? Is it working from home with my family? Is it feeling like a creative expert? (laughs) with the method, that'd be mine, for myself along the way. And so it really is a mix of kind of owning what you've already done or starting to do, plus that other aspiration. And sometimes you'll find that the things that you thought you couldn't really weave into your brand because they sound too pie in the sky or future for future thinking, actually, when you edit it all together, what you're doing now, it kind of sounds pretty natural. And it kind of lets people know what you want to be hired for. And it kind of creates what it is you're wanting to do. So that's a, you know, that's a kind of a tall order saying, fill this out because there's a lot of work that goes into figuring out those blanks. Those are some big blanks, your specialty, your dream clients. What is my approach? What is my deeper deliverable? How am I a creative expert? What's my next big thing? What's my dream? Like all of those can be hard for different reasons for different people. So that's why we have so many other exercises too that we do. But I just want to say, you can't do this yourself right? Like help. I need a clearer message, right? It's really just reflecting back at yourself, all the things that you're doing and honing them in. So you don't have to hire someone one-on-one. You don't have to take a course. You don't have to be in a program. I mean, it helps. I mean, we don't mind if you take it, right? (laughs) But if you were doing it yourself, basically, I think all it takes is one, devoting the time to do it. Two, this is the Kathleenism, giving yourself permission I'm reading this off my notes, by the way, giving yourself permission to just get all those words and ideas on paper, the big picture stuff and the small nuances, all your magic little mix and blends, and then see checking with your gut a lot, maybe even taking some time between writing it all down to then checking in with your gut and saying, is this how I really talk? Because even when people start writing down pen to paper in a journal under an apple tree, you can still find yourself slipping into this language that isn't really how you talk. And ask, is this what I'm best at? Am I over explaining or over proving myself here? Am I forcing a style or tone that I think is in vogue or popular or people will like me for? Am I being a people pleaser or am I sticking to my point of view? So this is where we can get like tough love. You just have to be tough love on yourself. And then D, step back. So this is the last step. Step back, see what you can organize and refine and hone and squish into that clear message with visuals. That's our other secret ingredient. You gotta pair your message with visuals. And keep that blend of emotion and logic. Don't completely edit out or silence one side of yourself or the other. You know, we all need that left brain, right brain. We say Captain Kirk, you know, Mr. Spock for Kathleen and myself. Um, We all need that. And, you know, you and I are able to kind of outward facing be that, be that 
Like I'm kind of the crazy creative and even in my marriage, it's that way too. And then I've got my, you know, methodical sister and my methodical husband. And But the truth is, is that we're all both. Absolutely. And everyone has a blend like that. Well, and even like in, for example, in my relationship with David, I'm the crazy creative and he's the super methodical one. But I almost feel like in the podcast, you're the crazy creative <laughs> and I'm the super methodical one. So like, I mean, just another example of depending on the situation, you can morph and change between the two. I, I like that you that you mentioned this idea of you have to blend the two sides of yourself and put both forward. Because if you if you block out one, you kind of look like a crazy person. <laughs> yeah. Or you sound like a robot, you know, like a jargony robot. So I also want to talk about whenever it comes to the blend and your brand and all of that, a big piece of it and the piece that I'm really passionate about is sharing it. Your brand, especially your personal brand, it cannot live or exist in a vacuum. And um, even, you know, I, I'm constantly reading and evolving and learning. And after reading Big Magic, I was like, oh my gosh, I've been telling everyone to narrow in, narrow in. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, I just want to expand out and tell everyone I was wrong and just be creative. But that's not true either. So this is where I think tools like blogging and podcasting and periscoping are really great places to start trying on a voice to start trying on a different style and you can just slowly evolve. So one of the things that we say over and over is um, it should just, as you evolve your brand, it should just feel like the next chapter. And sometimes it might even feel like the next book. And then people are like, Oh, whoa, I'll use Elizabeth Gilbert as an example. She wrote eat, pray, love. And now she's writing a book on creativity and fear. You know, like you would think that those seem like, quite a departure from each other. But then in her own, you know, her own braid and her own blend, it all makes sense. So again, I just think that sharing it and being okay with sharing as you go, you don't have to have it all figured out quite yet. But that's what's going to help you really um, hash out your creative, at least for me, this is how it's been, I've been able to hash out my creative expertise in real time with everyone watching me while I'm doing it. That's right. And we even did a post the what you share or what you write. It doesn't have to be writing, but that's my tool. What you write shapes in many ways what you become. So and sometimes the experiences become before what you're writing. And sometimes what you're writing kind of shapes the next thing that you deliver. And I think also talking to people who are starting their businesses for themselves some of us, I think you guys just did an episode on this that hasn't come out yet, maybe, but when you're working one-on-one with clients, but you really have a vision for a product or a program, that sort of a thing, you know, the one-on-ones often shape, that's you working one-on-one with your clients, if you're service-based, shapes the patterns and the things that you see that then that's what you're sharing in your program or your product. It's, It's kind of it's interesting because it's like a domino effect, right? And then it kind of circles back around again. And then that shapes maybe you going back and doing a one-on-one or shapes the next post you write or the next podcast. So it's just a circle of just continuing to, it's not like you're just documenting what you did. (laughs) You're actually putting like your intentions of what you want to do next out there in many ways. But then I would say like, okay, so right now, 
this is now just us having a conversation okay. right now. Let's get no, real. I mean, we're still recording, but like I'm experimenting with Periscope right now because I was like, I want a YouTube channel. It was something that Emily and I had talked about for being boss and then it didn't quite work out. Anyway, it's still in our plans, but I was like, you know what? In the meantime, I'm going to Periscope. It's a really easy, non-pressure way to explore finding what my voice might be like if I were to have a more polished YouTube channel. And I think now that I know that the stuff that we share can shape who we become, <laughs> there's almost now this like added meta pressure, knowing that I'm on Periscope, but also being excited that something could come from that, that I don't even know what it is yet. Right. So it, there is still plenty of room, no matter how methodical or process driven you are, there's room for experimentation, you know, even Tara in our business I don't know if a lot of people know this, but Braid Creative owns Braid Creative and Indie Shopography together own Being Boss. So it's our companies that own this podcast, you know, and so even that, um, this podcast was an experiment for all of us. Right. Um, and then there might be more experiments that we try down the road, but it is looking at how does this fit in the next chapter of our book? Absolutely. And also when Kathleen says, I want to try an experiment, you say, yes, <laughs> do it. <laughs> you don't know where you're going to end up, but we're going to try any it. Means. Yeah. Emily told me but that you, you sent her an email saying I was a little bird and not to crush me. I did. I did that. It was not. <laughs> Thanks, Emily. No, I'm just I kidding. I was. It's like we're just gonna be careful not to not to squish the birdie. Well, Emily and I don't get to see each other a lot these days unless we're working on a client together. And so it's you know, everything happens so fast with all of us, right? And so it was fun for Emily to shout out the other day and say, Hey, it was just cool seeing your face. I think we were talking about some being boss visioning. And I was like, Yeah, you know, it's just and this is actually a phrase I I got from my creative director back in the day. He's a guy I said was the Don Draper who's so eloquent and can say everything so beautifully. And he always said, don't squash the bird. And when he would say that, what he was talking about was a concept. So you're coming up with your next creative idea, but you haven't quite figured out the concept. Like, what's it going to look like? What's it going to, you know, the fear of every designer. Is this going to be my last great idea? Not every designer, everyone. And so if you have that bird kind of fluttering around your hand or this idea, how do you hold on to that concept that you think you figured out without squashing it and killing it, right? By overthinking it and holding it too hard, right? And so then I think I morphed that into then also, how do you do these experiments or have a partner like Kathleen or have a Kathleen within yourself where they're going to be experimenting while you're doing method methodology, <laughs> And how do you let those experiments in your own business flutter and kind of, you know, about to take flight, but you're still holding it in your hand because you're not quite ready and without killing it, you know, and squashing it and keeping it from doing what's next. It sounds like that hokey phrase, like if you love something, set it free and it'll fly back. But it can be that way with ideas, right? And also with your next business endeavor or your next launch. So hold on to the bird, but don't squash it. Yeah, I kind of feel like that's like plight of the creative and humans in general, period. But like, especially people who identify themselves with being creative, it's, it's this idea of, of wanting to like, hold on and nourish what you have, but expand and explore at the same time. It can be 
just it's a journey to hold on to that bird and not squash it. <laughs> and like a struggle of wanting to feel security and comfort. And I think mm-hmm. that all of us want that, but then to also feel spontaneous and like you're on an adventure and living the dream and because it's addicting, like that first you guys out there who are maybe doing this for the first time or taking a leap for the first time or just started like it sounds so hokey. It's like people talking to someone with a newborn. Enjoy it. It goes so fast, but it's so exciting and thrilling. And then once you get that security, it's like, okay, yeah, I got this going on. I got this bird in this cage and it's singing and it's singing <laughs> and I'm loving it. But like, when's the next exciting you know, thing going to fly through the window, right? Well, and then the birds stop singing sometimes <laughs> or another bird out there starts singing more beautifully. Like we can take this bird metaphor all day long. Oh my long. gosh. But like, I mean, it's, it's a real thing. And I think like, just like even bringing that back to the expertise thing, like we all have our birds. <laughs> or like, okay, so we actually used to have this bird and we had a couple of ferrets and they lived in a room together. <laughs> And one day, and then sometimes the bird gets eaten. Bird got eaten. It's not funny. I'm not trying to laugh about it, but don't keep ferrets in your house. It's a lesson. Oh God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but no, I think that that's a really good point, and I I actually really am liking this bird metaphor and holding the bird in the hand situation because I think that sometimes Tara, you and I, whenever we're having our of like road trip conversations as I yeah. like to call them sometimes just having the idea and acknowledging it and talking about it is good enough. And then we know, okay, it's in the universe. It will manifest itself, you know, maybe in three months, maybe in six months, maybe in a year, or maybe just talking about the idea, like a YouTube channel, for example, is all we need to feel satisfied by the idea. And then it's, doesn't happen. And that's okay, too. Or what I find in the case of creative entrepreneurs is, hey, maybe sell that idea or give that idea away to someone else who might be able to do it and do it better than you. So there's there's enough. There's a lot. There's a lot of birds. (laughs) There's a lot of birds. I can't I can't wait to write the title for this episode. It's going to be bird inspired. A lot don't of birds squash Tara bird. Street. Yeah, don't, don't squash, squash the bird with Tara Ooh, Street. And the birds is one of my like scary movies. You know, okay, like, let's talk about that. What are you watching right now? <laughs> well, Wait, I just saw- I have to interrupt you real quick oh. and let our listeners know that um, one of my favorite things about you is that you have such good taste in shows and movies and books. But, like, you also know what I like, so you'll read something and you'll love it, but you're like, you won't like it, Kathleen, so just don't even... Don't even... I'll just tell you what it's about. And I'm like, oh, it's, like, just as good hearing it from you. Okay, but anyway, so I'm just vouching that you have really good taste in shows and books and all that, so what are you watching right now? Well, I have been watching some... This sounds so pretentious and not usually something I would watch, but, like, watching Woody Allen movies lately... I just have been watching Woody Allen movies lately, but I haven't turned down way low because I'm actually watching them for like style inspiration because everyone in a Woody Allen movie looks like they just like ran a brush through their hair. (laughs) (laughs) 
like in that kind of early 80s way where if you had curly hair like us growing up, like you just run your brush to your hair and you just had frizzy hair and that was like awesome. Like, I'll never forget watching Urban Cowboy with you and oh, what yeah. is it, Sissy? And you're like, and she just brushes, just, she just brushes her hair. Look at that hair. She just brushed <laughs> that hair. There was no like, there were no Sarah Jessica Parker curls. Serums or diffuser. You just brushed that curly hair. Anyway, I love watching, you know, I love watching 80s movies for that kind of thing. Usually it's John Hughes. I'm usually, well, usually watching John Hughes movies, not for the teenage movies as much that we're all used to, but I, I think I had to watch Home Alone like 15 times over Christmas break. And, you know, I obsess. Everyone says Wes Anderson is the art director of, you know, the, you could tell his movies by the color palette and the lighting. I feel like the same way about John Hughes movies, but I just saw the Revenant like two days ago with our dad. So I think I love seeing, you know, we love taking our dad to see Quentin Tarantino movies or more intense movies. So we were going to see the hateful eight, but we saw the Revenant. And can I tell you, this is not a spoiler. Everyone knows that Leon spoiler alert that Leonardo DiCaprio is basically like mauled by a bear in this movie. And the whole movie is like in this frozen, beautiful wilderness and everything after that, and I had a rough day after that, everything after that seems so easy because I was not A, being mauled by a bear or B, like dragging my body through the frozen wilderness. I just had to help my kid turn in a late science fair project or, you know, think about what I was going to talk about today or, you know, so that was a really intense movie that gave me a lot of context lately. At least I'm not being mauled by a bear. Okay, so probably around the time that you were eight months pregnant and being offered creative director at your agency, <laughs> our dad also took us to go see the movie Hostel. Yes. Where basically tourists are being tortured, tortured. by rich people. Yeah. So that are like paying to torture them. Right. I am like, and it's funny because I feel like if you looked at us, like you would not expect <laughs> this, but I'm curled up in a ball trying not to throw up, like hands over my eyes. I just, and over my ears, I just cannot handle it. And I look over, Tara's like eight months pregnant and like chowing down on her popcorn and she looks over and she like smiles and she's like, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, <laughs> I That's love not me. funny. I love me a horror movie. I didn't think it was funny. It was just like, yeah, I'm in my happy place. I got my dad on one side. I got my sister on the other. I got my horror movie. We I'm were, happy. so whenever we were in New Orleans for being boss, I don't know if I told you this, Emily, we were watching American Horror Story to like oh, yeah. wind down in the evening. American Horror Story Hotel. Hotel. So to wind down hotel, in the hotel. In New Orleans. And in American Horror Story Hotel, sorry for the spoilers, there's a guy basically torturing people and, like, holding them up alive in walls. And I just, like, throwing acid on them. Like, this really awful stuff. And then... And Tara's just Yeah, she's, like, falling asleep. (laughs) And uh, we turn off the TV. (laughs) We turn off the lights. We're laying there for about a minute. And I was like, I'm scared. And Tara's like, what are you scared of? It's just silly. It's funny. It's silly. It's like, I'm scared. I think I said it was campy. It's campy. It's stylish. Whatever. The people out there who like it, they get it. But I do love me some movies and shows, don't I? Um, what are you reading right now? I am reading, oh no, is it Jenny Greer? She is a famous, I forgot her 
it's on the Kindle, so I don't look at the cover, right? Right. But I think it's called something like this. Oh, I get to say this now. This will be in the show notes. It probably won't. But no, it will. We'll include it's it in like the show um, notes. Judy Greer. Maybe it's Judy Greer. Oh, please forgive me. This is the whole point, though. This is her whole point of her book is that she's a famous, like, supporting co-star. You would know her the second you saw her. Like, she was in Job. She's like thin, redhead. She's like in Jawbreaker and Thirteen Going on Thirty. She always plays the friend. Yeah, yeah. Right. And she kind of, she just kind of has a quirkiness about her. And so I'm reading her book about herself and like kind of just growing up like we did in the Midwest and, you know, just, I mean, I love a memoir. I know you do. That's why I was, I, why I'm really reading it though is to distract myself because I'm really upset that (laughs) Game of Thrones is starting up before the new novel comes out. And you know, guys know I've read all the novels twice. So it's almost like I can't read any other fiction and t- I just, until I mean, Game of Thrones I'm comes kind out. of in a bind so there. Are, are you not going to watch it until the book? I told out? my husband I wasn't going to watch it. And that kind of distressed him because he won't have anyone to watch it with. And he said, the HBO said that the show wasn't going to follow along with the books. But I know that they know enough about how those books are going to end up that they can't veer that far off the path. Right. I mean, they can't just completely screw it up. So I feel like I am so like in tune <laughs> with like what I think what I think is gonna happen that I'll just be able to tell by the first episode. Like it'll be all ruined and I'm more loyal to the books than I am to the show. So yeah, that's my current you guys can tell this is why I really have a method. Why I really have a method for our business from day one was so that we weren't working late. So that we weren't working during prime time. So that we weren't working on the weekend. That's the straw right, right? there. So that we can go home and watch some Game of Thrones, right? And like, sound to you, and just know that the the work will be there tomorrow, and the good to be done will be there tomorrow, and that I can still watch either Woody Allen or people being tortured in a hostel. I'm watching Making a Murderer right now. I know you told me, but I have it on my list. Documentary, and then Emily texted me the other day, and she's like, "Okay, what's what?" So, so yeah, about that, Mikey texted me out of nowhere the other day and he goes, ask your friend Kathleen what she thinks of making a murderer in one sentence. Oh, that was from Mikey. Why didn't you tell me? Well, because then I figured you'd get all flowery. (laughs) I I needed to keep it to the point. (laughs) I thought you were asking because like you were trying to decide whether or not you were going to watch it. Well, I mean, it certainly influenced that. Okay, well, I'm watching it, and then I will respond to you again to send to Mikey, knowing that Mikey wants one to One sentence. One sentence. To the point. <laughs> I will get to the point. Emily, what are you watching? Emily doesn't really watch shows. I, I don't watch a ton of TV. David and I weekly watch The Prophet and Shark Tank because okay. we're business nerds. Um, but then I, I've also been watching, I've been catching up on the fourth season of Continuum. Oh, you Are watch you like some sci-fi stuff. It, it is. It's super sci-fi. And it's it's one that I just like found on Netflix a couple of years ago and just like watched a season because it was on the first season. I was like, oh, that's good. And now every time a season comes out, like I, I don't watch it on TV. It's just when it comes out, I'll Netflix binge for like a week. Um, but I've been watching that this week because I saw that a new season came out and I got excited. I started watching Mr. Robot this week. Have you guys heard of that? Have you no, heard of that, Emily? No, so it won like best drama at the Golden Globe. So that was kind of the 
straw that broke that camel's back. I finally press play. Yeah. Press play. Oh my, you know, because I have them all lined up, like my ingredients. I have all my shows lined up. And it's of course. really, I think you'll really like it. It's the Hackers. Oh. And the main guy's cute. I have heard of that. Wait, no, but there's also Actually. that other Hackers show. They it's almost sponsored the podcast. No, it's not that one. Oh, yeah. It is. <laughs> we Mr. will not Ro- name it because they did not <laughs> well, sponsor the podcast. No, it is not. <laughs> It's not that one. It's Mr. Robot on USA. And USA? I know that's weird, but they have... Sorry, USA. You know, they have their little <laughs> app on the Apple TV or whatever you use. You, you know, it, it's fine. You can log in. You can get USA and they curse. Um, That would be on cable. So I use my parents' account to still log in. That's like the only thing that still makes so me you feel can, like not an adult. You can still use their account <laughs> to also steal, I think, or log USA. in. That's a nicer way of saying it. Log in. Like we own businesses. We buy our own fonts. We buy rental houses. But you houses. still sign into your parents' cable account. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. What, so someone what is that let, cat? Someone let my kitten into this room. <laughs> I guess that means it's time to go. It's but time to go. Tell us um, where we can find out more about your e-course. <laughs> <laughs> My e-course. Our e-course. Um, you can go to braidcreative.com. I think slash it's forward slash e-course. e-course. But it's also a big yellow button and a big giant picture because we love sharing our e-course. And so, and it's also a great way to learn about what it might be like to work with us. But really we love our e-course because it's affordable and it's a nice way for people to dive into. If you like doing that script and then man, it's like diving into a whole other looking glass of those kinds of exercises for yourself. And I really love, I really love having been able to create that for people. So anyway, you go to braidcreative.com. There's the braid branding method e-course for creative entrepreneurs. And we have a Facebook group for our e-course students. It's not as active as the Being Boss Facebook group, but there's an e- or a Facebook group. And we also have quarterly masterclasses where we're hopping on it. It kind of feels almost like a podcast where we're talking about different chapters in our e-course. And then we also just started what we're calling a book club to help our students be more accountable and connect with each other and talk about their insights in a more casual way. So we've been experimenting with that. Um, But we continue to kind of try and figure out ways to connect and engage with our e-course students. But again, I think it's just a really great place to start, um, especially if you're interested in clarifying your own brand messaging, um, looking at your personal brand, your dream customer, all the different ingredients that make up your brand. So... Yeah, I'm proud. I'm proud of it. Oh, man, I am too. I'm proud of it. And I didn't even do it. (laughs) Well, I will say that, you know, a lot of us when we're creating content all the time. And you guys out there when you're creating content, some some of you may have the same thing I do. It's sort of like a vulnerability hangover, like Brene Brown would say, but it's more like you cringe to look at your work again once you've put it out in the world. And I thought when we launched that that e-course, it's robust. It is a robust e-course that I would look back and cringe. um, But nope felt really awesome. Like I felt like we realized it, Kathleen, that 100% who you are and 100% feeling like we were sharing some really great creative guidance. Full circle. All right. Well, thanks guys. We'll have a lot of links to everything in our show notes. 
do the work, be boss. I don't think that's really how we end. I always <laughs> don't squash the bird. Don't squash the bird. You don't squash the and bird. And it's easier than getting mauled by a bear. If you take do anything it. away from this episode. <laughs> These are today's lessons. <laughs> the moral of the story is what you're doing is not as hard as... Even what Leonardo DiCaprio as an actor had to probably do had to go through movie. to film that movie. Thank you for listening to Being Boss. Find show notes for this episode at lovebeingboss.com. Listen to past episodes and subscribe to new episodes on our website, on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. Did you like this episode? Head on over to our Facebook group by searching Being Boss on Facebook and join in on the conversation with other bosses or share it with a friend. Do the work, be boss, and we'll see you next week. The red button in the middle. Yeah, it's happening. Okay. So now we have to do a little team building exercise. Oh, yeah. This is so like behind the curtain. Yeah. Right? (laughs) I love it. So I'm going to say one. (laughs) Emily's going to say two. Tara's going to say three. And we're going to keep going around in a circle until I get to seven. It's (laughs) so professional. Your face right now is that sounds too hard. I'm so curious to see how this would go down with Tara. I know. This is this is like a whole other level of fun. Okay. One. Two. Three. Four. Five. Six. Seven. Yay. Yay. I get the lispy number. Six. <laughs> Just kidding. Six, guys. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> I need to get my little cave out. I need. Yeah, go get it. I need to. I have it right here. Hold on. Get my fresh books thing open. We're not usually like this, Tara. It's just I because I, I like it. It's just because we can. Be I'm gonna go because, pee. Oh my god! I just. I'm sorry. Okay. Me too. What? You guys peeing?